Hello, product innovators. Today, we learn from a developer and distributor of thousands of products on how to avoid the three main problems facing a new scaling hardware startup. You're listening to the Product Startup Podcast, a show to learn from top leaders in product development, prototyping, manufacturing, product selling, and everything in between. Hosted by Kevin Macko, the leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Sponsored by PTC's two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. And produced by Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm very excited to introduce Brad Peterson to the show. Brad is the founder of the hardware product Lomi, which raised almost $10 million in crowdfunding, his most recent hit success. In his earlier years, he developed many new products and also distributed thousands of other hardware products all over the world, mostly in the toy and sports product fields. Today, Brad is going to share some valuable knowledge on how inventor startups and small manufacturers can learn what the three most important elements of an emerging hardware startup are, how to avoid key pitfalls around each of those three areas, and how to scale your product to become the next big hit invention success. Now, on to the episode. Hey, Brad, welcome to the show. Kevin, great to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. I'm excited today to talk about scaling a new hardware business. You have a tremendous amount of experience in this. Obviously, you've worked with literally thousands of different products, both on the distribution side and also on the innovation and manufacturing side. And of course, you had the absolute massive home run with the Lomi product, hitting almost $10 million in crowdfunding worldwide. So we're here today to talk about what to look out for? What are some of the problems and pain points as you grow a hardware business? So whether you're an inventor and you've got that new idea or whether you've got the product in production and you're looking to scale, this is a really important topic to look forward to identify some of those pain points and how to avoid them from somebody who has been very successful with growing massive brands in the past and continues to do so today. Brad, why don't you just give us a bit of a background? You've been doing this for, I think, almost 27 years, you mentioned. How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, thanks, Kevin. I know we have a limited amount of time today, so I'm going to try and distill this to as quick an introduction as possible. So I'm currently the co-founder and chairman of Pila, and Pila is a waste innovation company that's committed to creating a waste-free future because we believe garbage is optional. And as such, we create products with the end-of-life solution designed into the beginning. And as you mentioned, we're the creators of Lomi, which is the world's first smart waste appliance that really magically turns organic waste into soil while you sleep. But before we go down that path. I want to talk a little about the history because for about 27 years of my life, I was the real Santa Claus. I made kids toys. And of course, because I'm from Canada, I'm a toy maker from the North. So I can claim official title of being the real Santa Claus. <laughs> and uh, during my time, I went from being a toy distributor into a toy developer and manufacturer. Over the course of my life, we have shipped tens of thousands of products. And you know, I've literally shipped billions of pieces of plastic around the planet, all putting smiles on kids' faces. That was the goal and intent, but it was also part of the reason why I became the co-founder of Pila and focused on Lomi because it was a part of my recompense that I was looking at ways that we could do things smarter and better and less wasteful. So that gives you a quick history of my background. That's amazing. And today we're talking about scaling up a hardware business. So we've got to the point where we're in production or we've been producing for a little bit and we really want to grow and scale. Now you've gone through this process many times, and especially obviously with this most recent venture, there's three main things that you like to talk about, people, systems, and cash. Why don't you walk through those three one by one? We'll spend a few minutes on each and how a new emerging hardware startup can avoid some of the pitfalls and become a major hardware success startup story. 
Yeah. So just for some context, in my first toy venture back in 2006, we were growing rapidly. We were building incredible scale. We had all kinds of sort of accolades within industry because of our growth. And, you know, at the time I felt like a, a rock star in terms of that, uh, the success of that business. But that business ultimately went into distress because we grew up too quickly and we tried to salvage it and eventually it went bankrupt. So the reason I say that is because we don't tend to learn very well from success we learn a ton from failing and becoming a failure. And in this case, because that business failed, I took a whole bunch of lessons from it. And the key lesson is, is, well, how did we break it? What happened along the way? And through reflection, what we went through in terms of scaling this thing and ultimately capitulating the company is that there were three areas that we were not actively reinventing in order to properly scale the company. And as you pointed out, that is your people, your systems, and your cash. Because if you're scaling a company, if you're growing something, you're ultimately stressing it. You know, growth is a sort of double-edged sword. You need to grow because I don't believe there's stasis that you're designed to grow. So it's a part of who we are. But if you're not reinventing yourself, if you're not shedding your skin as a snake would to grow into its new skin, you're ultimately working in the past and you will lack the capacity and capabilities that you're going to need for the future. And as we said, it's your people, your systems, and ultimately your cash resources to be able to make it happen. So happy to, to dive into each one if you, if you want to, or however you want to go through the conversation. Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with people. Got it. Okay. It's not lost on me that everything starts from small beginnings. You know, a giant oak tree was an acorn at one point in time. So all of my ventures until Pila have been bootstrap stories where you're starting with a limited amount of resources, including yourself. In fact, you probably are the main resource. You're the one, you know, burning the midnight oil, multitasking and are a consummate generalist. You have to be good at pretty much everything. Not good at it, but competent. You can actually get through the day and do everything from empty the garbages to filling spreadsheets to actually doing some design work, maybe even working on a CNC machine, and then ultimately making sure that you're building a customer base as well. So as you build momentum and success and cash flow, the first thing you want to start thinking about is what do you need to be sustainably scalable? When you get product market fit, how are you going to be able to turn that product market fit into something that's enduring? that ultimately goes the distance. And uh, I would tell you your number one resource and ability to do it is people because it's the ultimate lever. The idea being is that you're going to start off as a generalist and you're going to hire generalists. But over time, you're going to want to migrate from being generalist to specialists. And inventing your people is something that I would say depends on the speed of growth. Like if you're doing sort of single digit growth, this is probably something you can consider biannually or annually. If you're double digit growth, this is something you're thinking about probably quarterly. And if you're triple digit growth, which I've had the fortune of being a part of a few enterprises like that, that's something that you are continually updating and upgrading is to find the right people to help you achieve your vision and mission. That's amazing. And it's dear to my heart. I know from the early days of bootstrapping Maco Design, when it was just a couple of designers and myself working out of a condo in the early days back in the early 2000s, I was doing everything from sales to bookkeeping, to marketing, to client relationship, to project management, you name it. And of course, as you scale, your own personal role really is the first and the most important to develop over time. And it changes rapidly. So I really like how you brought that up as you're almost your own biggest bottleneck to start because you are are the generalist, especially as the founder, the owner, the pioneer of this thing, you are taking on a lot of roles to start, but know that you have to constantly reinvent 
yourself mm-hmm. and grow with the company because you yourself will become more and more of a specialist over time. I know looking at it now, we're 30 plus people, offices all over the place. I couldn't possibly do the same type of work that I did back in my early 20s now that I'm in my late 30s. It really changes what you actually do on a day-to-day basis enormously. And if you didn't have the willpower to grow as a person, that's the first major step to then, of course, helping your team grow as individuals, which is the next big part of the equation. 100%. Yeah. You can't give what you don't have first. There is no stasis. You're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. 100% you need to give yourself this idea that when you're on an airplane, they tell you put your oxygen mask on first before putting on your kids' oxygen mask. Well, it's just like that in life too. You want to grow yourself your team's capabilities. And then I think you just teased on a little bit is that often founders become their own worst enemy because they don't know how to get out of their own way. They become, I call it the Wizard of Oz syndrome. They become good at a bunch of things and they ultimately become the bottleneck for everything and no decision can be made without them having input. That is not scalable. Short term, we get it. You got to be that person who's doing the scrappy startup stuff. But if your business is not sustainable, scalable, sellable, then ultimately you don't have a business, you're self-employed. Right. That's something that you're just doing. It's a job you've created for yourself. And that's fine. But ultimately, if you want to build an enduring company, it's about using people to help leverage your time. And I think Dan Sullivan says it best. He says, if you're a founder thinking of like a 2x growth, then probably you don't need to go hire people. You can just work twice as hard. And you're young and you have energetic, you can do that. So stop thinking 2x and start thinking 10x because within your mind, you can't actually comprehend what it's going to take for you physically to 10x your efforts. And it's going to force you the discipline of actually going in and finding a way to grow your people. And then ultimately, the second piece, which is your systems, because your systems are what keep the people working, right? So this is where people are singing from the same song sheet. You're taking drag out of your system because you have conductor of an orchestra, which is what you should be as the founder, is keeping all the instruments moving in synchronization that creates beautiful music. And that's ultimately what your job is as the founder is to do. So if you have the team, now how do you keep the team singing from that same song sheet? And the systems you start with are not the same systems that will work for you going forward, particularly as you add complexity. We have offices in Hong Kong and Guangzhou, different time zones. We've got designers that are on the East Coast, on the West Coast. We have some team members in Europe. There's no way you can use a similar system that you are working on when you're all in one office and still run an effective organization when you have geography and complexity like that. And in fact, when I think back to my 2006 experience where I crashed and burned that company, ultimately what failed us was a system integration. We put an ERP system in place. Well, let's say that it exposed the problems we had because we had a botched implementation. We got junk data with people working on the wrong things. And when all the information finally settled at the bottom, we realized we were outside of our covenants with a bank and they put us into special loans. So the importance of having systems that actually give you good data, good information, measuring the right things, what are the right KPIs? And we're not talking vanity metrics. The saying goes, you know, top line's vanity, bottom line sanity, and cash flow is reality. So make sure that your systems are giving you really clear information that allows you to make intelligent decisions about the future of your business. And systems are one of those things that you should be looking at starting before you need them. I'm a major tech nerd guy and I loved cloud computing. So one of the first things we did before it was necessary, when we were still working on spreadsheets and Google Docs, which is a great first step, by the way, if you're a new startup, Mm -hmm. just start by writing it down. That's step number one. Write down your just basic processes. What happens when you try and make a sale? What are you doing with the brand vision? What is your future plan? You can start putting all these little things into categories. That's actually the start of your processes and systems and they will grow 
and refine over time. But if you don't write them down, you don't have any systems. So that's the first step. Get a Google spreadsheet or Word doc, whatever it might be. Get some of your basic systems started before you actually need them. Because what you'll find is as you start to grow, it will be harder and harder to implement those systems if you didn't already start those. One of the things I did very early, which was a huge change to allowing us to scale relatively easily, was building in cloud software earlier than we needed. This is everything from your CRM system, your customer relationship management system. So who are you talking to? Who's in mm -hmm. your sales pipeline, et cetera? Also your project management system. Well, that's delivering on the actual projects that you're doing. Because we started those early, what we were able to do over time was slowly and incrementally increase the quality, the accuracy, the overall greatness of those systems, as opposed to being stuck at a certain roadblock and then having to put it all in place overnight, which is very difficult to do. So the earlier you start, the easier it becomes and you don't have to start big out of the gate. 100%. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And about execution, you know, I get asked by founders often, what does it take to build a successful startup? And I, I tell them there's basically four key ingredients. First is a smart founder with a great idea. Okay, that's table stakes. You have to be that person. The second is a marketing plan that's different, not better. Why different? Well, when you're doing category design, which is something we are pretty passionate about in terms of creating new categories, being first in the consumer's mind, that the leading brand will own 76% of the value of that market. So if you're ever comparing yourself to something else that you're better than, then you're actually only ever competing on the remaining 24% that's left in that market. So if we want to create something enduring and valuable, it's about building something different, not better. And uh, for more info on that, I encourage you get your, your listeners to go to the Category Pirates because they're incredibly gifted at being able to walk people through that whole uh, experience of building category design. So talk about again, founder with an idea, a different strategy. Third is a team. Right. We already talked about the importance of people and the team you started with is likely not the team you're going to finish with. It's important about thinking about it as a high performing team. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend on Netflix, Last Dance, Michael Jordan's story of the legacy and dynasty of the Bulls. What I think you need to think about as a founder is that that's the way you should be trying to build a team. He held his teams at such a high standard. Anybody who was on the court was expected to perform at their highest level or they were off the court, like literally like he heckled them off the court. And so I think it's just about thinking about it that way, that we're in a team sport. You are fighting for a championship, so you should have the right people on your team. And then finally, the fourth piece, execution, which comes back to the systems. If you don't have the systems having the right teammates won't really matter all that much because you're you're not empowering them to actually be productive and again to, to create the exponential outcome of having a really talented team. I love that you keep bringing up people and team because a magic thing will happen as you start to bring different team members on. And in the early stages, it could be as simple as bringing on the right partner. It could be just you inventing this great hardware product and you feel that you're weak at marketing. So you bring on somebody who's talented at marketing. What that highlights is the fact that if you are a generalist when you start, which everybody is when you're starting your innovation, not only will you find that you're able to free up time because now you have somebody else or multiple people that are doing those various roles, but you can look to attract people who are significantly better than you at each of those individual roles. So not only are you scaling the size of your organization, but you're actually scaling the quality of output mm -hmm. at the same time. And that really creates this powerful snowball effect as you start to grow and scale as a hardware firm. I learned this lesson the hard way too. I kind of refer to the Wizard of Oz syndrome where initially it's empowering because you know everything. People come to you and like, oh, I got the answers. 
And then it really becomes disabilitating <laughs> as you build your business out. And so I think the most intimidating thing for me was actually going out and hiring people that were smarter than me at that respective discipline. Because within all of us, you have a superpower. And as a CEO founder, quite frankly, there's just a handful of things you should be thinking about. Well, you're thinking about the overall health of the organization, but you shouldn't be amazing at everything. So hiring folks that are better than you and maybe even paying them more than you're paying yourself may seem like a silly idea at first, may feel super intimidating, but trust me, for the value you will create in your enterprise and your ability to scale, it is a game changer. It literally... Before I left the toy business back in 2012, I kind of came to this realization through the school of hard knocks again that I was in my own way and I need to go hire better people. And when I did hire those better people, it was super intimidating for us because I'm sitting in this room where I was no longer the smartest person in the room, but I was the smartest person in the room because I realized I had to surround myself with people that were better than me and their respective disciplines, people who are better at operations, finance, marketing, product development, sales. I could do all of it a little bit. But there was way better support people. And my job was then to keep them focused on the right initiatives and giving them the resources to be successful. Powerful stuff. And now, if you've managed to get great people on board and you've been building great systems to optimize, best optimize those people and keep people guided, that leads to the third thing, which is cash. Yes. So I already kind of teased out this idea that, you know, top line's vanity, bottom line sanity, cash flow's reality. Look, I think. Part of the problem is our culture today is inundated with these stories of people raising ridiculous amounts of cash and getting these crazy valuations. Although I think that there's a, a general sobering happening at this moment in time. All of my experience prior to Pila has been bootstrapping. So that is the scrappy startup mentality that is being very creative to figure things out because I didn't walk into my ventures with like a, a boatload of cash to be able to, to scale them. So as I think about your job as a CEO is to ensure that the resources are available to enable your idea. Product development in general is expensive. Okay? There's nothing super cheap about it. So it's about how do you be smart and scrappy to ensure that you can get your product funded and your idea funded. I've got a, a ton of different ideas and experiences that I've used, but I've done everything from friends and family money to real estate that I've uh, mortgaged to be able to get cash flow. It's doing it in ways that is, is allowing me to get to my MVP, my minimum vile product. And you know what we say is progress. Perfection is the enemy of progress. Progress is what we want to be thinking about sort of an lean startup mentality, build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn. I mean, even with the crowdfunding campaign that we did for uh, Lomi, it was a way for us to test the viability of the market to get a sense of what is the appetite for it. I would just say that, you know, some quick ideas uh, that I think are really helpful for founders is that small nuances that we started selling uh, FOB only. We would make the product, we'd go and sell the product out to our customers. Then we'd ship it direct from Asia and not have to worry about, you know, the storing and the inventory that. But the point is, is that as the founder, you're responsible to ensure that you've got the right amount of resources. Your cash is going to break continually because if you're growing a business, this is that double-edged sword that it takes cash to build businesses. And there's all kinds of ways to create negative cash cycles to try and be more efficient with cash. But the thing I've learned about finance and cash in general, it is more of a creative versus a creative skill than anything else. It seems logical, but it's much more creativity. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up. Cash is king. It's important to keep cash going to float the boat. And look at it as well as a lot of hardware startups don't have super wealthy founders or pockets that are able to fund it all the way up and including scale. In fact, arguably most hardware startups 
develop in stages. So your job as the founder is to figure out what is the next stage? How can I get to that next stage efficiently? And then use the results of that stage to get to the next one and so on, right? You start with design, maybe raise an angel round, get to production. Now maybe raise a scaling round, start to scale. And then maybe you're looking at bigger venture capital or private equity or whatever else it is. If you're trying to get to the big leagues, that's one option. If you have a product that you can clearly get to production and get pre-orders or like you were saying, maybe FOB shipping, it is possible. Possible occasionally to use cash flow from actual buyers to grow your business too. So you have to look at all these different avenues and figure out what's best for you. Just have the comfort knowing that it does happen in stepping stones. And it's not always entirely on the founder to financially support a product, especially into scaling as it becomes a multi-million dollar venture. At some point, you will likely need to raise around, even if it's just to float the differences like you mentioned from you know 60 to 90 days credit that's owed by a retail buyer before they actually pay you after the product landed at their door. But remember, cash is king. And like a number of things we talked about on the show, the more you can think about this in advance, the better. The better you can plan for this ahead of time, the easier it's going to be when it comes to those challenges in the road. 100%. Yeah. And again, I would say the similar sequence in terms of thinking about your people and your systems is that you know, if you're single digit, this is probably annual biannual double digit quarterly. And if you're growing a triple digit, which is a lot of growth and it's a lot of strain in the company, it's something you're going to continually be doing. Like an and it's called growing pains for a reason, right? The, as you grow, there are pains that happen with that growth. And that's some of the excitement of it as a founder, but that's also something you need to look out for. 100%. Gila has been a venture-backed uh, company. And uh, so I've been with the business since the seed round. We just completed our Series B. Uh, along the way, we did an A and A2. So it, it's been a fascinating journey. And it's exactly to your point. I kind of liken it to climbing a mountain. You get on the process. It's not you go from top to bottom right away. You get to different stage points and then assess from there what your needs are to get to the next stage. But ultimately, your North Star is to reach the top. You're going to need different things along the way to be able to achieve that mission. Brad, so much appreciated for all the words of wisdom today. Excellent episode. And uh, we'll have to get you back on to talk about these things again. Thanks so much, Kevin. Really appreciate being here today. Thanks, Brad. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Product Startup Podcast. If you found some value in the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a quick five-star review. If you have any questions, guest suggestions, or anything else, feel free to reach out to us anytime at our email, podcast at macodesign.com. That's podcast at macodesign.com. This show is hosted by Kevin Macko, North America's leading expert on product development for physical product startups. Huge thanks to our sponsors, PTC, and their two best-in-class 3D CAD product development software solutions, Onshape and Creo. Macko Design and Invent, the original firm providing world-class consumer product development services tailored specifically to startups, small manufacturers, and inventors. Thanks for joining and see you next time.